been a bad boy in my lifetime. But now I'm trying to be righteous in the Lord's eyes. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of After God's Own Heart podcast. It's your boy Iray Trills, Iray T, Iray and um, how you guys doing? So, I got a fun one today but first things first, if you haven't already, tune into episode 9 and actually tune into episode 8 as well. Um, in episode 8 we looked at how to set goals for the year. And we looked at the story of, um, you know, Jonah. We looked at why it's important to ask God for his plan for, for your life and, and especially for the year. And why it's important to implement his plan as opposed to yours. And we looked at some of the issues that happen when you don't look, when you don't search for God's plan for your life. Um, so that was in episode 8. And in episode 9, we had a fun episode where I answered questions submitted by some of you listeners. So thanks for those of you who tuned in, and also thanks for those of you who submitted questions. Uh, my favourite question from that episode was, would you rather see the splitting of the Red Sea, or would you rather see Jesus walk on water? And I guess my answer was, I'd rather see the splitting of the Red Sea, uh, because I can imagine myself on a jet ski thinking, you know, wow, that's incredible. And I was like, if I saw someone walking past me on water while I was on the jet ski, I'd probably faint. And that was the basis why I said I prefer the former. So that's episode 8 and 9. Um, again, in episode 8, I looked at how to break down your goals. And I, I, I um, came up with an acronym called SPIFE, which is spiritual, physical, intellectual, financial, and emotional, and how to put your goals like that. Okay, so in today's episode, um, given that we've spoken about goals recently, we're going to look at some of the reasons why we are prevented from reaching our goals. Um, we're going to look at you know, when we have a goal, when we've heard from God, or when we've planned our goal for the, our goals for the year, what are the common setbacks that prevent us from actually reaching it and achieving it? So I'll probably just, I'll probably just um, cover those in the next three episodes. So for today, what I want to look at is the first thing that prevents us from reaching our goals is when we lose sight of the of the um is when is when we lose sight of the bigger picture also known as when we lose sight of the overriding objective, right? So so an, an example of that is when we have a goal is when we don't get carried away with how we benefit from the goal and not with how God is going to use us to bless others as a result of reaching that goal. Uh, yeah, so that's what I mean by um, when we lose sight of the overriding objective or when we get too bogged down into the details of the goal or when we get too excited until we have the full picture or like, you know, when we focus a lot on the process um, and, you know, spend too much time focusing on the process without actually remembering how it fits into the bigger, you know, wider things in terms of the context. Um, and I guess the best example for this um, would be Joseph in the Bible. Yeah, so I'm going to go to Genesis 37 
And as always, what I like to do is, for those who haven't listened, I like to make the Bible fun. I mean, the Bible is fun, uh, but of course, uh, there are times when, you know, you want to sleep or, you know, it's dry. So what I like to do is I like to um, look at characters in the Bible or interactions or relationships in the Bible and I like to make um, them entertaining and then I like to apply it to our daily lives. So today we're going to look, we're, we're going to look at Joseph and so let's go to Genesis chapter 37. Again, I'm looking at the AMP version, I'm old school, um, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, new KJV is alright, you're not a bad boy if you use NKJV or KJV, uh, but I like to use I like to use AMP. Okay, so it's uh, from Genesis chapter thirty-seven. You know, Genesis is the beginning. You know, the, you know the original. Yeah, the de facto. Okay, cool. So, from verse, from verse, from verse two. You know what? Let's go from verse one. Let's let's do it properly. So, in verse one of Genesis thirty-seven, it says, "So Jacob, um, in brackets, Israel." That was Jacob's name, right? Lived in the land where his father, Isaac, had been a stranger. In the land of Canaan. And then verse 2 says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers, Dan, Naphtali, Gad and Asher. The boy was with, his, was, the, boy was with the sons of Bilal, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, or Bilhai and Zilpha, his father's secondary wives. I won't say anything about um, Israel being a bad boy. Um, and then Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel, aka Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because Joseph was a son of his old age and he made him a distinctive multicolored tunic. And then verse 4 says, his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all of them so they hated him and could not find it within themselves to speak to him on friendly terms. So that's verse 1 to 4. So what's going on here is um, uh, Jacob uh, Jacob has um, you know has a son called Joseph, uh, as well as other sons. But um, Joseph is the one he loves the most. So Joseph, Joseph is favoured, yeah? Okay, so that's some background. Okay, so moving forward, verse 5, it says... Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more, right? And in the dream, in verse 7, it says, the brothers were binding sheaves of grain in the field, right? But then his sheaf got up and stood, and stood upright and remained standing, and behold, your sheaves stood all around my sheaf and bowed down to it. So in that dream, it says basically that um, Joseph had products and... His brother's products bow down to Joseph's products, right? So, and then in verse 8, he sees that his brother say to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Are you going to rule and govern us as his subjects? And as a result of that, they hated him even more for him telling them about his dreams and for him being arrogant. Okay, now this guy didn't learn a lesson, right? You know, he's told his, he's told his, his brother's, the dream that you know that he's going to reign over them, which is obviously what the dream means. But instead of learning his lesson, he get he gets excited, as I mentioned before. He gets bogged down in the details. He loses the overriding objective, and in verse nine it says he dreams another dream and tells his brothers this again. This time he said, "See here, I have again dreamed and dreamt a dream. This time I saw eleven stars 
and the sun and the moon bound down to respect him. He told it to his father as well as to his brothers. Right, and the father obviously rebuked him. And again, it says here, what is the meaning of this? That me and your mother? So obviously it says here that um, Jacob replied back to Joseph saying, what is the meaning of this that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers come down to bow down to the ground and respect before you? And as a result of that, Joseph's brothers were even more envious and jealous of him. Okay? So what what's going on here is Joseph has, has, has another dream where even his mum and dad, as well as his brothers, are, um, are um, you know, he reigns over them. That's what the dream says. Okay? You got the eleven. You got the eleven um, stars there because he had eleven brothers, and Jacob had twelve sons in total. Okay, so that's that's in verse thirty-seven. So what's going on? What, what, that's in chapter thirty-seven, right? And then as a result of that, we see later on, as you all know the story, they plan to kill him, and instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery, and that's how he ends up in Egypt. Okay, all right, cool. So for con, so what, so let's, let me break this down for you. So what's happened here is. Joseph has had a revelation, a goal, a dream that he's going to reign and rule over his family. Okay? Right, so he's had a dream. He's had two dreams that he is going to rule he's going to rule and reign over his family. And to modernize this, this is our goal. So let's say we have a goal. God told us a goal for the year, a plan for the year. God said, okay, he's gonna make you a director at Goldman Sachs. God said your um your A and R um agency is gonna do serious numbers of artists. Or God has said your um, PR agency is gonna be the best PR agency this year, right? Um and what Joseph has done, like what most of us normally do is we get bogged down on the details, we get so excited and we focus on that job, on getting that job. And we might even brag it, you know, I know people who have actually prematurely announced that they've got roles and they haven't got the role in the end. Right, because as humans we get excited and then you know get carried away, and then what ends up happening is because you maybe you told the wrong person, or because you've been too excited about that job you're supposed to get, or about that mission you're supposed to go on, right? That you actually end up not even getting it, and you lose that goal that you had, and you don't achieve that goal. In this case, obviously God is merciful, um, but what happens initially is look at Jacob, sorry, look at Joseph, right? His brothers plan to kill him. They plan to destroy that goal. Yeah, they plan to destroy that goal and then they sell him into slavery. So for all intents and purposes, that goal is failed. Obviously, as you know down the story, as you know the story, what happens eventually is Joseph is um, sent to um, to um, is sold into slavery in Potiphar's um, house. Um, you know, Potiphar's wife tries to tempt him. You know, she thought he was a bad boy, and obviously he flees from temptation and is falsely put in prison. In prison, he interprets people's dreams and he get, he gets um, he finds favor in prison because God is merciful and God made the best our best situation. Okay, and then after that, he ends up in, in Pharaoh's um, house and you know he interprets dreams for Pharaoh, and as a result of that, he then becomes um, the second highest ranking officer in Egypt and rules everything in Egypt with with Pharaoh only being the highest. Okay, and then. Later on, we see that in verse, we see that in chapter 45, um, so after his brothers have come to Egypt, okay, because obviously there's a, there's a serious famine in Canaan, so they come to Egypt now, and they don't know, they don't know that Joseph is now prime minister, quote-unquote, or the governor, they don't know that he's second in command, hand of the king, you know, Ned Stark, yeah, 
They don't know he's that, right? Or um, Tywin Lannister, without all the impropriety. Okay, cool. So they don't know that he's, they don't know that he's second in charge, right? And they come to you know essentially get food and grain because of a serious famine, which is what Joseph initially had predicted, right? And you know eventually it becomes clear to the brothers. Um, that Joseph is the person who they are in charge of. Sorry, that Joseph is, is the person who they are brought in front of in the Pharaoh's palace. Okay, right. And we look at so we look at chapter forty-five of um, Genesis, and then we see that um, in verse in verse um, three it says, "Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive?' But his brothers were speechless, for they were stunned." And dismayed by the fact that they were in Joseph's presence. I mean, they think that they've killed him. They think that they sold him into slavery. For all tens- for all intents and purposes, they think that he's out of the picture. He's out of there, right? And then in verse four, it says, "And Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me.' And they approached him, and he said, "I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves." Because you sold me here, for God sent me ahead of you to save life and preserve our family. For the famine had been in the land these two years, and there are still five five more years in which there will be no ploughing and harvesting. God sent me to Egypt ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive by great escape. Yeah, and then verse eight says, "So now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and He has made me a father to Pharaoh." And Lord of all his household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Okay, and then in verse ten it says, um, it says, you know, you shall live in the land of Goshen, Goshen, the best pasture land of Egypt, and you shall be close to me, you and your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds, and all you have. And verse eleven says, there I will provide for you and sustain you, so that you and your household and all that you and that all that are yours may not become impoverished, for there are still five years of famine to come. Okay, so to break this down, what happened there is in the end, in verse in, 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 in chapter forty-five, Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers that he's hand of the king, right? And you can see here the difference in his talk. So it becomes clear to everyone that the reason why God put him in charge, or the reason why God was going to put him over them or why God was going to put him in charge of his brothers and why God was going to make him ruler over them was so that he could provide for the family if you remember God told Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that he was going to make their descendants you know beyond count of the of the earth they were going to give them a promised land right now that wouldn't have been able to happen had Joseph not been um, second in command of Egypt because what would have happened was Jacob's children would have, would have all died of famine, and therefore, that whole father Abraham, all that songs there, and that don't happen, right? You know, Israel as a nation wouldn't exist, right? So what God has said, but because God knew there was a famine that's going to happen, what happened then is He made a way such that Joseph was going to become governor or hand of the king in Egypt, so that he could provide for them and serve them, right? Obviously, in chapter 37, Joseph initially thought that the goal was just to be ruler and rule over his, 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 his brothers and his parents. Okay? And bringing it back to the modern world, we see that 
Joseph initially focused on the title. He just focused on being ruler, right? He didn't focus on why is God making me ruler in the first place? Why has God given me this gift, this job, this talent? Why has God given me this breakthrough? Of course it's going to benefit you, yes. But how am I benefiting other people as a result of having this breakthrough, or having this job, or having this gift? And we see that again. The reason why God made Joseph second in command of Egypt wasn't for him to mock his brothers and to reign over them. It was so that he could serve them and you know, ensure that the bloodline of Israel didn't get wiped out due to the famine. Okay? So bringing us back to the message for today, right? When we get a goal, it's important for us to not lose track of the overriding objective, right? Now, as Christians, we're supposed to know God and make him known. So that job, that new job you've got, how, how, yes, it's going to bring you money it's gonna you know allow you to buy the best you know Balmain or allow you to buy you know Dior but also how are you using that position in your company to spread God's good news how are you using it to edify other people um, and now we often fail to reach our goals because when we have the plan there we sometimes become selfish and we don't get the best out of that goal or sometimes we brag about it we tell the wrong person and then they block our destiny, for example. Um, how many times have you told someone at work you're going to go for a particular job? You tell them that and then you don't get a job anymore, right? Because maybe they've gone for it before you and so on. Um, so for me, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't reach their goals because they lose, size, they lo- they, they lose sight of what actually matters and they get too excited in the end goal as opposed to asking you know asking god what is the reason why you're giving me this goal in the first place why do i need to achieve this what is the what, what are the ramifications for achieving it um again it's good god is going to bless you god is great god is merciful he's going to bless you right but it doesn't end there you know that you want to be director of goldman sachs cool you know that's not the achievement that god is looking for of course it's great so it's a, it's a great achievement for for like in the world it's a great achievement like phenomenal fantastic okay but let's not you know let the cares and pleasures of this world choke that and you know choke the word out of us right um yeah so for me that's why that's one of the reasons why i believe some goals never get met okay um what are your thoughts do you agree do you disagree um another modern example i guess would be um, husbands, um, husbands and their roles as the head of the household, right? Um, a lot of the reason why families are being destroyed, as why and why marriage isn't lasting a lot nowadays. Uh, again, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because husbands are getting bogged down to being called head of the head of the home. Yeah, so they think, yeah, I'm head of the home. I can tell my wife to submit to me all the time. I can tell her to, um, you know, make me fried fish or make me ayamashe, for example. I can lead her astray, but and so they've lost sight as to why that goal was assigned to them, or why that purpose, as to why, or why that purpose was assigned to them in the first place, right? Again, it's not so that the wife can serve them till death; it's actually so that they can show their wives God's love 
I love their wives the way that Christ loves the church. Um, but again, I'll I'll go into that. I'll go into the family. I'll go I'll go into family a separate date. Um, but again, if husbands actually took down to took time to reflect to the Lord, to reflect in the Lord's presence, why they were given a goal in the first place as head of the home, maybe a lot of families would be less broken than they are now. Um, yeah, but again, I will discuss family um, uh, down the line. Okay, that's it from me. You know, I like to keep it short and sweet. Um, if you have any questions, message me. Uh, or if you if you have any queries, if you disagree or agree, hit me up. You know, I'm an, I'm an open book. I like to converse. Um, I like to be challenged. I'm going to do a clubhouse chat very soon. Um, it's going to be a very tasty um, top, um, subject. So if you want to take part in that, then DM me. Um, my Instagram is ae, which is ire.ae. Uh, my Twitter is irelewa, which is I-R-A-Y-L-I-W-A. Um, follow the podcast at After God's Own Pod on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Uh, and please, please leave a review and share with friends, yeah? All right, peace. Have a good week.